We're doing episode 59 and you're doing the intro. Okay. Unusually. Well, I'll do the intro. Why don't you let me yes, do it? Yes, you do the intro for once. Pull your weight. Actually, don't pull your weight. You can put your back out. <laughs> it's going to take a long time at the moment. <laughs> Why does Christmas do that to you? It's not fair. I swear, I didn't even go crazy over Christmas. Just no. seven days. Seven short days. Of solid eating. I've put on three stone. No, I haven't. It wasn't solid eating. I was quite careful with what I ate. I only ate uh... the sausage rolls and the fattening things. Good. <laughs> right. Shall well, we you start? do the intro. You do okay. the intro. Okay. Ready? Mm. Okay. Hi, everyone. Oh, God, you're so (laughs) annoying. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 59 of the Mid-Faith Crisis. My name is Joe Davis and I'm joined as ever by my good friend, Mr Nick Page, esteemed author, world-renowned speaker. Welcome. Esteemed author. Yes. Actually, I I will be steamed tomorrow because I am actually going on a much-needed spa day. Are you? You do sound like you need one. (laughs) And I really need it and I am going to sit in the steam room and just break wind and ruin it for everybody. (laughs) Well, that's super. <laughs> that's just, uh, have I possibly overshared there? I don't know. I, I think you may have done a little bit, but I'm glad you're getting a break because you've been very busy. And I must apologise to the listeners that uh, uh, we missed a week there. But it's first time, actually. But man yeah. alive, it's been a little bit busy. We are well. We've had some emails from people saying, are you guys OK? We are well. None of us have had... Uh, Nervous breakdown, though. I have thought about it several times. No, um, we, we reserve those for, in fact, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, when we're recording. Um, no, it's just been very busy for me, like finishing a book, and very busy for you. Um, yes, it is. It work, has. It? In- totally indeed, busy. it has been. Anyway, um, have you made any New Year's resolutions? I, I have. Do you know, I'm, firstly, I'm doing dry January. Oh. Mm, I mean, that I must did... be very difficult for you. I did... Uh, I did imbibe a significant amount okay. over Christmas, and I thought, no, I should really fast. And well, so you I'm, know that I'm makes the baby down. Jesus very angry when you do that. I know, I know. Mm. But um, he no, no crying he makes, so I get away with <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly, yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> so really, what do I care? Uh, no, he. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm doing that. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I do want to get fitter. I, I, I I do want to do that. But apart from that, I don't really do oh. resolutions. No, no. We've, we've talked about this before. Anyway, speaking of the second coming episode. Uh, oh, yes. Now, second coming episode, which is what we're going to do today, obviously. Well, or Be- is it? No, it isn't, actually. No, no, of course it isn't. Because it's just the time isn't right, Joe. No. I thought it was going to be today. Mm. I really did. I thought today was going to be the second coming episode, but I was wrong. My yeah. calculations are out. Um, well, it's so very... what, what can I say? Well, it's very interestingly because I used an algorithm mm. on the entire Bible, mm. and I worked yeah. out that it was it was actually due on the thirty first of December last year. Oh right, and what, so the I episode? was yeah, I was I was yeah. I was waiting all day for the episode to come out, and it just just didn't happen. It's, it's a little bit of a, a disappointment there. Yeah. So I think we just have to go back to the drawing board and yeah. think about when the second coming episode. I imagine it will come out when we're least expecting it. I, I assume it will come out on a Wednesday, perhaps in the middle of the night. Mm. Some people won't be aware of it even. 
Um, <laughs> no, they'll miss it. And they'll, they'll be left behind. Don't yeah. get left behind. Don't and get we'll, left and behind. I'll look at the listening figures and I'll suddenly realise that they've halved. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ten of our listeners have gone. <laughs> yeah, that's gone. Right. <laughs> Uh, and then there'll be then there'll be a thousand more episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, enough. Anyway, enough. Yeah, you okay. get the idea. You get the idea. <laughs> We're not. To be honest, I'll be absolutely honest. I can't be sure we'll do it the next episode. We'll wait and see. You know, we won't see if the time is right. You know, um, it could run and run this one. Anyway, it could. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but we haven't got the second coming, but we have got a great interview for you. Uh, well, this was just a terrific opportunity. So our dear friend, and he is a mutual friend of ours, Trevor mm, Hudson, mm. was over. And he was really over on a fun trip. And I just happened to go uh, to get hold of him and said, look, listen, Trevor, look, I know you're not really working or doing anything, but any chance you could record an interview. And of course, you know what he's like. He's humble and lovely and just a gorgeous yes. man indeed. Trevor Hudson is one of those people it's impossible not to love. Um, mm. He's one of those people and who, when you've left being with him, you always kind of know God loves you. He's just got this amazing ability to make you realise that God loves you. Mm. It's extraordinary. Mm. That is his big. That is his big thing, isn't it? Don't, wouldn't you say? I, absolutely. And you're the complete focus of his attention. Um. Anyway, I think we shouldn't we shouldn't build him up too much because no, uh, and he would know, absolutely he, he'd hate, hate that. that. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> but, uh, anyway, the, the, what we should do is listen to the interview and let people um, judge for themselves. It's an interview that focuses mainly on one of his um, main themes of teaching, which is called yeah. the cycle, cycle of grace. And uh, he, he, so here's Trevor uh, talking to Joe. Well, I, I am delighted to say that I have one of my all-time favourite people with me oh. in the room. It's not Nick Page. No, it is Mr. Trevor Hudson. Trevor, welcome to the Mid-Faith Crisis Podcast. Oh, thanks, thanks, Joe. I can live off that introduction for a few weeks. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, everyone who knows you loves you. You do know oh. that, right? I, I don't, uh, <laughs> but it's good to to hear you say that yeah. <laughs> well we do and i mean honestly i think uh, i always say you know one of the most christ-like people i ever met was dallas willard i mean just to be taught by him at renovare and of course when he passed you started teaching his module and those were big old shoes to fill not just because of the teaching but because i always felt with dallas you know, the man was the message. When you knew him, you had that great sense of he's someone who walks a talk, but I have exactly that sense with you as well, that there's a gentleness and a humility to the way you teach that I think we just, is so winsome. And it makes us want to be like you. Well, Joe, <laughs> you are a generous man. It's, <laughs> and it's, it's just good to, to be with you. And to also be, if I may, just greet those who are listening in. Yeah, please uh, do. I, I don't know your audience, but uh, just really want them to be aware of my, mm. my awareness of, of this moment uh, with them. Mm, thank you. 
So, um, well, first of all, I, because I'm not really aware of it, tell right. us a bit about your story. I mean, those who sure. understand accents may pick up where you're from, but right. tell, us, tell us a bit well, about home and where you yeah, grew up and what sure. you did. And... Sure. I'm born and bred South African, mm. and um, I have worked predominantly throughout my life as a Methodist minister. Uh-huh. Uh, in a town called Benoni, which is the closest town to the Oliver Tambo Airport um, uh, outside Johannesburg. I, I guess the most important thing about that I can say, I'm married to, to Debbie. Uh, she's a teacher, have been for just on 40 years now. Wow. And we are the parents of two children, uh, Joni and, uh, and Mark, mm. both of whom are married to their respective partners. Uh, James and Marika. Right. Oh, so that's I can a, see the joy on your face well, as you say yeah, that. They're special and they are the most important parts of my life. And tell us about apartheid South Africa, your role as that came to an end. What, what was going on? How was that for you? Well, that's uh, part of our history as a mm. South African. We lived, so we've, you know, I guess I'm 68, so... Yeah. Um, a large part of my life was spent uh, living uh, under apartheid mm. uh, as a policy, as a government policy, being part a little bit of that um, struggle in a very um, small mm. way, but seeking to, to be part of uh, a new South Africa. Mm. And you will know the movement into that in 1994. And now we're in another stage of our history, uh, which is uh, we still have very youthful democracy with all the incredible challenges that, that come mm. uh, with being a, a very uh, youthful democracy. Yeah. I sense you're underplaying your, your role in that. No, no, not, not, anyway, not at all. Let's get, let's get on to another mm. important question. How mm. on earth did you become a Bolton fan? Bolton Wanderers. Well, that's a, quite a story. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I was five years of age and yeah. Bolton Wanderers came to South Africa from the UK to play some soccer uh, or football. And my dad took me to watch them. And I was converted. <laughs> that's, that's, so, that's quite some Damascus Road. Well. So for sixty odd years, uh, I have uh, I have been supporting this team uh, just outside of Manchester, and uh, they've taught me how to lose. It's an incredible spiritual practice, and uh, and my delight when they win is a reflection of my spiritual immaturity. <laughs> And my depression when they lose. <laughs> well done. Okay. So, Trevor, um, I, want, I want to talk to you about grace. Uh-huh. Um, and in particular, um, something that uh, so many friends of mine, have, you have taught. Sure. This, this idea of the cycle of grace. But before, before we get into that, and I've never heard mm. you speak on it, oh, actually. Sure. So this would be a first okay, for me, sure. so I'm really right. excited. But right. what what is grace? Let's just start oh, with a real sure. basic, but I, I think oh. quite important question. Oh, what is oh, grace? Right. You know, one of the biggest discoveries I made about grace <clears throat> was when um, I, I wrote a book. I wrote a book on the Holy Spirit. 
And one of the things I discovered in researching the New Testament is that very often the words grace and Holy Spirit can almost be can almost be interchangeable without mm. losing the significance of that particular sentence. And and um, why I'm saying that is that for me, grace is a very, very powerful thing, mm. a very active thing. Um, so I think if you were to push me for a, a mm. perhaps a, a definition, which I'm not mm. too good at, mm. I think I would speak about grace being... The, the the power of God's love in action in a person's mm. life, kind of God, God, God's love actively at work uh, in our lives all the time, whether that work is acknowledged or unacknowledged, okay. and and so for me. Uh, because I'm part of the Methodist Church, and yeah. one of our, I think, one of our treasures is we speak a lot about provenient grace, mm. and then what does that mean? Yeah, you know, that simply means that we kind of love from the very word go, and that the, God's love is actively involved in our lives. You know, mm. when you, you know, I knit you together in your mother's mm. womb. That's grace, mm. um, and. So I have a sense of grace being something very active and very mm. powerful and very loving that mm. is always, always at work okay. uh, in our lives and in all our experiences and mm. events and encounters of our lives. Mm, thank you. One of the things we sort of explored before on the podcast is, you know, just telling people God loves them, God loves them, God loves no, them sure. has a very limited impact now. Sure. Absolutely, and you know, people, sure. particularly listeners of our podcast, sure. are, you know, exploring those questions and asking what makes sense and what mm, doesn't make sure. sense, and you know, very often times people have lost the faith in church, but not necessarily a faith in 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 God. So sure, sure. they're trying to find a way through. So I, I'm interested to see how the language of this cycle of grace right. may sort of break oh, through right. some of those natural oh, barriers oh, that right. have just kind of sure. built up. So. If you're willing, <laughs> right, sure. please please just lead us through right. and, and tell us what you mean by a cycle of grace. Right. Well, I think the most important thing I can say is that it's something that I learnt, <clears throat> not something that I've come up with at right. all. Okay. The cycle of grace, uh, if you want to trace it, uh, goes back to a, a British uh, psychiatrist mm. uh, and thinker, Christian, Frank Lake. Mm. And uh, he, I was introduced to him when I was at university in the early, late 60s, early 70s. Um, and he wrote uh, some very important work, clinical theology. Mm. Uh, obviously, he brought his psychiatric insights to bear mm. upon his work, mm. upon his theology. I think, one of the, I think one of the first people really to begin to do some integrative thinking mm. um, in terms of the disciplines of psychology, psychiatry, and the Christian faith. And, you know, um, clinical theology was his attempt to do that. And he's the man responsible uh, for the cycle of grace. Um, I was then reintroduced to it by a lovely uh, British Anglican by the name of Anne Long. Um, And I think that must have been in the early 1990s. And she um, helped me to understand the cycle of grace at a, at a, at a 
at a new level. So really for the last 30 odd years or so, the cycle of grace has become just a very, very good friend for me. Okay, so talk us through it. Right, well I think part of the background of the cycle of grace, and this may be important, mm. is that it emerged uh, out of Frank Lake. Frank Lake, uh, a psychiatrist, and his interaction with uh, missionaries from the, I think it was the London Missionary Society who were working in mm. India. They would often go to India full of um, uh, passion and vision for their life and their work, mm. but often within some within a very short while mm. were disillusioned and tired and burnt out. Mm. And, um, and he was obviously, from a psychiatric point of view, he was concerned about this mm. and was involved with a lot of them who... Um, who found themselves in places of extreme mm. weariness and burnout and tiredness. And then, uh, evidently, uh, I've been led to believe that uh, a, a Swiss theologian, Emil Brunner, was on his way um, via India, met up with Frank Lake. And I love that. I just have always loved that picture of uh, Frank Lake and Emil Brunner, a psychiatrist and a theologian together. Mm. And and I think out of their time together, they began to reflect upon the life of Jesus. Mm. Because here is someone who worked with an extreme uh, uh, challenging environment, context, mm. yet you never have a sense in Jesus' life of um, burnout or mm. cynicism. You, mm. you do have a sense of real tiredness and weariness mm. at times. But in his humanity, you do not encounter a man who is wanting to, as it were, give up on his vocation or mm. on his calling. So they together reflected on Jesus' life. Mm. And they just felt that, that in his gospel life, as it were, um, there was something to be discovered. Yeah. So start to unpack that for us. Right. Well, you know, if you can, you know, if you can kind of picture a, a, a it's a bit of a mechanical model. If you can picture mm. a, a kind of uh, possibly a circular process, yeah. you know, um, they believe that that for Jesus, um, you know, he he Jesus's life is rooted in a profound sense of acceptance. Um, you think of you know the baptism. You are my son, mm. in whom I am well well pleased, mm. um, and and that Jesus is, uh, and then again at the transfiguration, he hears mm. that voice again. You are my son, as he goes mm. to the cross. Mm. So they were um, Brunner and Lake were 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 convinced that Jesus's whole life was rooted in a profound sense. Of acceptance and self-acceptance, mm. um, and that that was the first place where God's love and grace entered into the very humanity of Jesus. Mm. Uh, and then the second part of that cycle um, is that Jesus lived a life of um, of real sustenance. You know, that when you look at his gospel life, and I've often done this with groups, and it's fascinating to see how, remember, our understanding of grace is that God's love is a very active and powerful thing. 
But it's quite something when you read the Gospels to see how Jesus is sustained by grace. Mm. Um, and often I love doing this with groups is just to ask them, how, you know, when you read the Gospels, how do you see sustenance happening for Jesus? Mm. Um, so you think of his meal times, uh, mm. his, his capacity to rest and to sleep on the boat, his... Mm the way that he would hang out with friends mm. um, the times he would go off into you know, to be on his own mm. uh, his enjoyment of creation um, and mm. so it, it really breaks this um, spiritual secular divide and you have the sense yeah. that that God's grace and God's love was flowing into his life in a whole myriad of ways mm. Uh, sustaining him for ministry. So in this model, Cycle of Grace, the two places in which Jesus is a recipient of grace is through his experience of acceptance and then through his experience of sustenance. Right. And Jesus was living in that cycle. Okay. But there were also uh, two areas where Jesus, as it were, where grace flowed through him to others. And so the third part of the cycle is the, um, the part that Lake calls significance. Um, that Jesus lived with a profound sense of significance. So even before he got to do anything, mm. uh, grace was flowing through his very being. So, for example, just as a quick example, you think of all the I am saints. I am the bread of life. I'm the resurrection yeah. and the life. So you have a sense here of, of Jesus living out of a profound sense of personal vocation and being. Mm. That he's, uh, if you look at the word significance, those first four letters, S-I-G-N, that, that his life was a sign mm. of God's love and grace and mercy amongst people. Before he That's did lovely. anything, yeah. before he did anything. Okay, yeah. And so he, his presence was a source of grace for people. Yeah. And then fourthly, and this is the last part of the cycle, that uh, there was, and, and, and Lake's word, I don't like Frank Lake's word mm. here because of its connotations, okay. is, but let me use it to be faithful yeah. to the model, is, was achievement. Okay. Um, I like to use the word fruitfulness yeah. or achievement in ministry, that there was a sense in which Jesus' ministry was fruitful. Yeah. He formed a team. He, he, he uh, preached. He taught. He, uh, he, he brought healing to folk. He forgave mm. folk. He created community. Mm. And so, he, so do you have a sense here of, of grace entering his life? Uh, through acceptance, through sustenance, and then beginning to flow out from his life uh, mm. through significance and mm. through achievement or fruitfulness yeah. in ministry. And so Lake and Bruno were convinced that Jesus lived in the cycle all the time. Uh, acceptance, sustenance, significance, achievement. Back okay. into acceptance. Yeah. And, and then I think this is the real insight. And remember, they were dealing with people who were weary, burnt out, cynical, yeah. disillusioned. Yeah. 
And, he's, and, and so they make the observation that what we do is we don't start with acceptance. No. We start with the achievement bit. Yeah. And then, and then from yeah. achievement, Recognize what, you that. know, yeah. then maybe we'll get some get significance, and then that will get <laughs> yeah. some energy flowing, and then maybe, maybe God will love us, <laughs> and maybe right at the end of the process, someone will love us and accept us. Oh, no, and no. obviously, that is the culture which we, you know, that's what we live and breathe. Yeah, you know, we have performance reviews if you know at mm. work. Uh, yeah. So we we are in a culture that that is kind of not in a cycle of. Uh, of of grace, but one could almost put a cycle of works, mm. uh, a kind of anti cycle yeah. of grace. Wow! And um, and I've just, I've just found that model so helpful. I I, I yeah. it's been a helpful part of my own healing um, and part of my own journey. How how do you help people? live into this way because right. I, I i imagine for sure you're working with burnt out leaders right. yourself a sure. lot of the time and everything how right. how do you help a kind of you right. know that type a yeah. personality oh, who's right. on the road to right. burnout or who has burnt sure. out right. right start to see things differently right. i think i think i think that it begins with a certain level of insight and awareness mm. and consciousness of how i am living and I think what happens when this model gets presented to a group, mm. it provides the people in that group, it just provides them with some language mm -hmm. and and then they can maybe spot whether they are living in a cycle of grace or in a cycle of works. And And I don't think it's like, you know, you're either 100% in the cycle of grace or 100% in the cycle mm. of works. I think we find ourselves, you know, going in one direction and then living backwards mm. again. Mm. Um, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. So for me, I think it has to do with, um, with awareness. How am I living? Am I living mm. from a place of deep acceptance and sustenance do i have a sense of personal significance mm. um, apart apart from anything that i've done right um, yeah you know and that's a massive massive mm. thing for for folk um, so for me i think change happens with insight and then mm. and then to begin to look at to begin to look at uh, all four, because all four parts of the cycle of grace are important. They all are important, but they, I think they need to just happen in the grace-filled direction as opposed to a works-driven direction. Mm. Say um, more about that. What, what would that look like? Well... <clears throat> Let's say I think many of us, I think mm. many of us struggle with a sense of just deep self-acceptance. So maybe mm. we need to pay attention to that part of the cycle of grace. Mm. Some of us, for example, know what sustains us. We know what gives us life, what mm. gives us energy, but we just don't make time for those rhythms in our no. life. No. Um, some of us have just never, ever considered who I might be. Mm. apart from what I do in terms of significance. Wow. And I found it really helpful 
to to work with folk to come to some understanding of how can they uniquely be a sign of God's love mm. and what would that mean without moving yet to doing um, and I and I love exploring that with folk. You know, mm. some folk might say, "Well, I feel I can be a sign of God's love by being a good friend, or I can be a sign of God's love by by being a, a creative con a conversational partner, uh, or I can be a sign of God's love by revealing goodness uh, mm. around." You know, so it's not it's got nothing to do at the moment with what we do, mm. but uh, but I, I think once we discover that at the level of being we can be significant. Mm. I think that's a very, very powerful thing. Mm. And then obviously, what am I called to do? Mm. Um, and and how can I express God's love in, in the actions of my everyday life, which are, which are also very important. So mm. the fact that they come forth in yeah. the cycle is not, we're not downplaying okay. the importance yeah. of action at all. Mm. It's uh, it's vital, but it comes at the end of the. And but it's it comes not the, the precursor right, to right, acceptance. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay, well, I'm, I'm conscious time's going on, but I, I, let's let's just imagine our fictional listener. We, right. we hope we're up to twenty, possibly twenty-five by now, listeners to this right. podcast. Right, right. <laughs> it's a joke. Okay. I tell you how many there really are off. <laughs> but um, let's just say there's someone out there. Their, their, their life is full, they're busy, they feel burnt out, they've got questions about faith, they, don't, they hear this podcast because, you know, they like some right. company on the journey, but sure. they're going, right. Grace, what Grace? I, I don't know Grace, I don't experience Grace. What could you say to encourage them to, to find this Grace that is available to us? How, how might you help someone? Into, I know it's a really tough question, by the way, to no, land on you. No, no, I'm right, going to go straight right, for it. Right. You know, my way in often um, is to pay attention to people's experiences of life. Mm. Um, I, I live with a very, very deep conviction that God is present and active in a loving way in every experience, encounter, event of our life. Mm. Now, I'm not seeking to baptize every experience that we have sure. as a good one. No. Uh, some very harsh and bad and evil things happen. Yeah. Yet I, I do believe very deeply, and this is my belief in grace, yeah. that God is present and active. So, I would want to pay attention to that fictional uh, listener, mm. and I would want to pay attention to the experiences that they've had recently in their life. Moments when they have felt really alive, moments mm. when they have felt energized, mm. moments when they've been surprised by a sense of awe or wonder, mm. uh, times when they've maybe felt loved mm. um, by someone very deeply. And I would want to trace those moments in their life and perhaps offer the suggestion that, that grace is at work in their life. 
um, in a very significant and real and deep way. Uh, I think I w that's how I would go about it. I mm -hmm. would start with a person's experience and then seek with them mm. to discover what grace looks like in mm. their life. And my hunch is it'll have something to do with experiences that have been deeply loved and forgiven, mm. experiences of wonder and awe mm. and mystery, experiences of um, experiences of being energized and coming alive, mm. experiences of beauty, etc. And people might have to trace that back away right. because they might not have had any experiences like right. that for quite right. some time. Right. However, I would say start with the last 24 hours. Oh, really? Yep. Would you? Yeah, I would. Start with the last 24 hours. Where, where did you feel loved? Where did you... Yeah, we, you mm. know... Um, mm. And I think, you know, we've just got this terrible split spirituality that we've kind of got God on one side and human experience on the other. Yeah, yeah. And I don't find that helpful at all. Yeah, sure. So grace is something that happens in a worship service or a, yeah. you know, a home group or a moment yeah, of sure. prayer. And yeah. it does happen there. But I think, but grace is far bigger. Yeah. It's for the supermarket and the school run. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Now, um, if people want to go deeper with this stuff or if people want to connect with you sure. or find right. some books sure. that you've done, okay. right. how would they do that right. and what are the books? Sure. Well, uh, let me just simply suggest that I, I, um, I did a book called Cycle of Grace mm -hmm. and it has some, um, I think, on YouTube, there's some um, presentations that I yeah. go along with it. Mm. And there are, because I've I, uh, okay. I, I, I flicked okay. I, one or two I, of them. Yeah. I've been a bit scared to look at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's out there, and, yeah. and I think the book lends itself <clears throat> to a kind of practical mm. approach. Mm. One can use it in groups or... Mm. And or if folk want to make contact with me... Um, how would they do that? I think an email is always the best. Trevor Hudson at live, L-I-V-E dot C-O dot Z-A. Great. Trevor Hudson at live. Live, live dot C-O dot Z-A. Z-A. There you go. You've heard it. And uh, and the other book on finding the spiritual gifts one. Tell us about that because I've had lots of friends doing that. And uh, so tell us about that one. Finding the... Yep. The... You're it's, you're, it's, it's a book all on, on finding your spiritual gifts. Oh, like, oh, oh, oh thank you. One. Oh, that one. Discover Your Spiritual Identity. That's that the one. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's also a book that some people in groups have found helpful. Good. And uh, thanks for... There yeah. are many others, but Trevor's uh, clearly not going to tell you about them. Okay. <laughs> He's way too humble for his own good. But... Yeah. <laughs> Trevor, it's been so lovely no. talking to you. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much for taking time out of your busy little trip over here. I know there's quite an itinerary. <laughs> Most of it's fun, I'm glad to Absolutely say, on this occasion. Fun. So that's wonderful. And full of grace. Great. And full of grace. <laughs> Trevor, thanks so much. Bless you. Oh, bless, bless you. So that was Joe uh, talking to Trevor Hudson.
Yeah, he's so quietly spoken. So I had to, I had to move the mic all over to him. I was sat more or less over the other side of the room and was urging him to, because he's yes. so quietly spoken. Yes. He's such a gentle, yes, person. I, I'm really glad that you um, focused on the cycle of grace because for me, yeah. um, so I, I never met Dallas, who you talked yeah. about at the beginning of the interview. I never, yeah. I never was taught by him. I never met him. Yeah. My Renovami experience is Trevor. Yeah, and for me, Trevor was the I think the most single, most influential teacher I've ever had in my life. Really, yeah. In terms of yeah, I can understand. Yeah, yeah. and the cycle of grace is absolutely core to that. And we all take it, and you know, those who listen to Trevor, we take this teaching, and I've taught it elsewhere, and it Mm. is, uh, I think, it's transformational for people. So I really recommend Mm. the book, which we'll put a link up on the website. Oh, thank you, great, yes. And you can get that, and there are some videos and stuff like that that you can see. and and uh, stuff like that. And um, he's written some brilliant books. And of course, I forgot the names of all of them, as you probably picked up during the interview, which yeah, is quite, he's, quite embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> Do I'll some put, research I, first. I've got a few of them, so I'll put some links up as well to, yeah. to those things as well. Um, yeah. But uh, but really, that idea of grace and the way he uh, uh, described it, I thought was was uh, yeah. the power of God's love in action in a person's life. You know. Yeah, and interestingly, it was saying that grace and the Holy Spirit are quite interchangeable. Yeah, that's yeah. a new idea for me. I hadn't, yeah, hadn't seen that. I want to check that out now. But that sense of of God being at work in your life, I thought he was very careful and 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 wise in distinguishing that that saying even though some of the bad things that happen yeah. to you are very bad. Yeah. But but that nevertheless, God's love is present. Yeah. In in those moments, it's that he's not doing them in that sense, but his love yeah. is still there. Um, yeah, that was know. really really powerful. You know, sometimes we're so focused on all, everything that's going wrong in our life, we do we do forget. And if someone says, "Well, what's God doing in your life at the moment?" you'll say, "Well, nothing." Where have you experienced love? Nowhere. You know, that's a very instinctual response when you're mm. in the deepest darkest places. But actually, if you can suspend those things long enough you will discover that God has been active in the last 24 hours, mm. which was a real challenge to me. Oh, yeah, I loved that moment when you said, how far do you look back? And he yeah. said, well, look at the last 24 hours. Yeah, that was very That's powerful. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it um, was. I, I liked what you said about prevenient grace. You said that's a big thing for Methodists. I don't think I really knew that or understood that. But this idea that grace has been at work from the moment. Yes. You know, now, so I, I, don't, I won't go off on another rant on... Um, you know original sin because we've done that plenty but you know this idea that no it's grace that's at work from the word go not sin grace grace and god's love and you know it's it's, it's struck me even today i had one of those uh, moments that i sometimes get with christians during funeral services so there were only eight people at this particular funeral service and one of them was a very sort of um you know charismatic christian and though the only hymn was dear lord and father of mankind you know their hands were in the sky you know as an act of witness or something i guess and um and you know they they had told me before and they want to focus on love and you know i always do so i was doing the whole service and you know this person had warned me beforehand they weren't sure whether their father was saved or not and i you know pretty much ignored it like you do (laughs) And talked about God and how God's love is there and how we trust God. We can trust God, mm. to, uh, trust this person to a loving God and the whole Bible narrative. We've come from God. We have this life. We go back to God and it's all good. 
And of course, you know, they came out of the service afterwards and, you know, the other seven were extremely happy, I'm pleased to say, with the service. And this person shook my hand and looked me in the eyes and said, but of course, the really important thing is that we're saved. We're saved by God. And I just nodded and smiled sweetly. Mm. said, yeah, of course. But that, but for, for them, I, I suspect prevenient grace wasn't the big issue. The idea that God had always been at work in their fuzz, whether that whether that was acknowledged or not, mm. because God's loving and God is love. And do you uh, think there's a sense there of fear in people? You know, I often think the people who really go on quite a lot about are we saved, who's in, who's out, and all that yeah. kind of stuff are, are, are quite fearful. Um, I think so. Of whether they're actually in or out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, probably a very, very um, mean view of God if you were to really press down on it. Mm. It's not essentially a God of love, but a, a God who is wrathful and judgmental and will, you know, get you in the end. Yes, and the very opposite. So that's the other end of the spectrum that Trevor's yeah. talking about. When and Trevor's talking about lives that are rooted in a profound sense of acceptance. Jesus's life is rooted in a profound sense of acceptance and um, self-acceptance as well, he mentioned which is really important, you know. So it's not just the idea that you've been accepted by God, but that you accept that you've been accepted by God. That exactly. You, you know. Yeah. Warts and all. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, I think a lot of people lack that in their lives. They don't feel accepted by anyone, really. They yeah. don't, least of all God. But you can't. You can't be fruitful unless I think you really grasp that. I no, absolutely can. not. And it's a, it's a painful thing to do it without that. That's for sure. Because mm. it is mm. the it is the road to burnout and. No, I, I just think this is the, perhaps the goal of the mid-faith crisis is to to push you through. You know, we often say the mid-faith crisis is, is not is not a problem. It actually can be a wonderful thing. It can be the wake-up call. And part of the the new, I don't know what the word is, theology, I guess, that you come to is realising you have always been loved. It was mm. nothing you ever did. It was nothing you ever achieved. It's nothing you're going to achieve. First and mm. foremost, the first word on your life is you are loved. And if, if God can accept you now, as you are, warts and all, with your wounds and your hurts and, yes, your sin, then maybe you could do that to yourself. Mm. And I think find a way to do that. You'll find a way out of mid-faith crisis. And for me, I think one of the things to reflect on out of it, particularly this point, is um, the direction of one's life. What you were talking earlier about yeah. New Year's resolutions. Mm. I don't really make resolutions very much, but I do often use this time to think about the balance of my life and the direction yeah. of it and yeah. what I want to be doing. Uh, and especially when you, you often think about that when you are kind of mired in a wrong direction. You know, yeah, you're, sure. you're stuck in it. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe maybe it's not the wrong direction, but you're going about it the wrong way or something mm. like that. And I, I think that lovely line that he used about are we um, going in a grace-filled direction? Yeah, that or, was a good Or a work-filled direction? Yeah. Are we just allowing ourselves to be loved by God and allowing that love to come through us and to be assigned to others? Or are we just trying to work at it? And all my life, before really I'd heard this kind of teaching, I would think I was trying to work at it. Yeah. And I was I was determined to, on a work-filled direction where that was what was going to give me the significance mm. and the significance was what was going to sustain me. And at the end of the day, God would have no option but to actually approve of me because I'd mm. earned it. Yeah. Um, 
And so to have it shaped the other way around for everything growing out of mm. um, my acceptance by God. And I think yeah. that's a really good question to ask ourselves at the, the, the you know, the beginning yeah, of this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jesus' ministry, his fruitfulness comes out of a profound sense of personal yeah, vocation and being. Yeah, I, yeah. And, and he once asked me, he said, what's your vocation? I didn't know what to answer. I don't know <laughs> what to say about that. But I thought about it a lot. And, um, you know, I, I'm still not quite clear on it, but, I, that, but I'm, I'm working towards that profound sense of, vocation mm. what am i here for yeah what am i what is my calling which is really what word yeah. vocation well we all ask from. what you're here for to be fair that's true actually fair enough so <laughs> any, if you'd like to write in and suggest, to abuse me <laughs> that would be uh, that would be useful i'm here to keep joe humble and he's here to keep me humble and that seems to be how it's working apart but, from the lack of humility <laughs> yes exactly terrific well thank you for doing that interview uh, oh, ple- one of our favourite men. Huge pleasure, yeah. And um, I hope people enjoyed that. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll be back in a, in a, in a, in a, at some time. Thank you. Don't get left behind. <laughs>